It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 14th of November. We'll recap the loss to Minnesota. Look where we are now as we head out on the road and try to understand what's going on with Ricky Rubio. That's what's planned for today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, analysis, geeky numbers, all sorts of stuff you cannot get anywhere else. Uh, Thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, I have had some people recently who are old listeners of the show who said, hey, could you go back to doing the NBA Five? Uh, We used to open the show every night, day with the NBA Five. I didn't like that it was the first thing we did because it meant that any good jazz talk was... It was never five minutes. It was always longer. There is a thought maybe that I'll bring the NBA 5 back into kind of one of our three segments every day. Um, if that's of interest to you, I'd be curious to know that. If, hey, you know what, Locke, I can get my national NBA so many other places, though. Uh, yes, Locke, I'd rather have your perspective. Like, give me an idea on uh, what your feeling on that is, uh, whether you'd like the NBA 5 back. Thank you very much for tuning in today. It's brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street, as well as the advocates. The process is the same. Accidents are all different. Individuals are all different. But the advocates, Utah advocates, have found a way to help you. In the case that you need the advocates on your side with a remarkable system, we'll tell you more about that uh, later in the show. All right, let's get to last night's 109-98 loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll start with the numbers, as we often do, and then we'll dig into kind of some of the other parts of of why the Jazz weren't able to win last night. Uh, Starting with the numbers, first game kind of knowing and having a team that could prepare, I think this was important, a team that knew that we were not going to have Rudy Gobert last night, and you saw them early just go to the rim, early in the game. I mean, their, their, their opening scores are... Um, Towns seven footer, Towns driving layup. Um, Taj Gibson does hit a three, I think, off a of Butler drive. Towns two footer, Ta- Gibson fouled at the line. I mean, they're they're up eleven three, going to the basket a lot early in this game, and uh, you can you can tell that that's their game plan. It's oh okay, they don't have Rudy. We're gonna go attack the ten. Uh, end of the night, the Jazz defense did not hold up. Uh, the offensive rating of the Minnesota Trimbles was a 116.5. Again, league average on offense uh, in the NBA is about 106, 107 right now. And so that's well above. The best offensive team in the league, which is the Warriors, they're on another level, is at 116. I don't know if you've heard this, but the Warriors' offense per 100 possessions is at 116. The next closest is the Rockets at 110, then the Cavaliers and the Wizards at 108. 
They're almost 10% better than anyone else in the NBA. The median right now is actually at 104.6. So offense is down. All the tempo and offense is down. Not that's a, you know, I think we've talked about that a lot on the show, that that's a bit of a misnomer, all this tempo. So the Jazz last night, 116.5. It's not great. Uh, It's up at Warriors level. Offensively, the Jazz were actually a 104.7, which is right on league average. Now, Minnesota allows 108.4, so we were at league average against a terrible defensive team last night. So really, as much as that's probably a pretty decent offensive night for us, probably the third best we've had all season. I can check that and see if that's actually true. Um, it's not great just because Minnesota's so bad defensively, if that makes sense. You have to kind of put it in context of of who they are and what they're doing, and when you do that, it doesn't look as solid as it did uh, when you when I first looked at it. Uh, the Jazz' best offense in the night was against Brooklyn. They, they And so to have actually... You know, if you if you other than the Philadelphia game and the Miami game, which were both disasters, the Jazz offense, frankly, is is getting you know those were tough, are getting a little bit more in the right direction, but not great. I mean, we just have only had three games all year where our offense is above average, and they're Denver, Dallas, and Brooklyn. Uh, last night actually turns out to be the seventh best offensive performance of the night. But we're different offensively without Rudy. You know, <clears throat> I've talked a lot about the Rudy's one of the best offensive players in the league. Our effective field goal percentage last night was 52.4, which is pretty good. That's above average. So why were we below average offensive team last night? One, limited offensive rebounding at 19%. Derek, who had five of them, and then we only had three others. Uh, turnover rate was fine. We just didn't go to the line very much. We only took 11 free throws, so that prevented us from having an above-average night. The stark number, and I don't like fast-break numbers. They don't make a lot of sense to me, but this Minnesota is the worst team in the NBA defending after a turnover. And they're the second-worst team in the league defending after a miss. They they have no interest in getting back and watching them last night. I, I've rarely seen teams that that really work as... As little as Minnesota does to get back, whether it's Jeff Teague or Taj Gibson or or Carl Anthony Towns or Andrew Wiggins, it, it's bad. And they allow 1.51 points going into last night's game after a turnover. The next closest in the league is a 1.39 in the Knicks, who was our next opponent. Uh, we're actually, interestingly enough, for all of our hustle, we're the fourth worst right now. Now, that I think has to do with the type of turnovers we commit which I can get into later. But we weren't able to take advantage of that last night. That's that's where the Jazz lost the game last night. I mean, defensively, we weren't as good as usual. But Minnesota does not get back in transition, and the Jazz just either didn't force enough turnovers out of the 15 turnovers they forced, uh, too many of them were dead balls, or they just didn't get enough misses since Minnesota made 52% of their shots, or they just didn't push hard enough. They, the Jazz just didn't take advantage of Minnesota's weakness last night. That's that's the only way I can say it. Minnesota is just, and, and they're not going to be great. They're eight and five, and they had this win streak, but they're not going to be great until they decide to play some transition defense, and, and they really don't. Uh, they came in ice cold from three, and then hit ten of twenty last night. Which, you know, I've heard that story before, uh, but you kind of again when you're prepping it, you could feel it coming. They were. 
They'd had two back-to-back miserable nights, and when you're dealing with small sample sizes like that, they usually correct themselves uh, somewhere in the process. Uh, Their standpoint last night, they did a nice job on the defensive glass. Uh, They didn't get a lot of fast-break points against us. They had 42 points in the paint, which is kind of a – I don't love that number because it includes paint non-restricted, which is a much harder shot. But they they were able to – kind of get into the Jazz a little bit. There was a sequence, though, where the Jazz, multiple sequences where the Jazz played. Kind of what you want for offense, flipped it out to Joe Ingles, who's your best three-point shooter, and he misses. Flip it out to Rubio, who they're not guarding, and he misses. And and when those things happen, it gets very, very difficult to run your offense well. Uh, there was one play in spe- spe- one play specifically that I referenced during the broadcast as has to be disheartening. It was Donovan Mitchell drove into the lane, brought the defenders to him, kicked back up top to Rubio, who's wide open, and he misses it. Jazz got 57 uncontested looks last night. 57. And went 23 of 57. Joe Ingles 0 for 4. Favors 0 for 3. Ricky Rubio 0 for 6. Hood, 4 of 7. Cephalosha, 3 of 6. Donovan Mitchell, 4 of 7. Jazz offense in the... A lot of what happened here, by the way, is the Jazz offense in the fourth quarter made the numbers respectable. They really battled hard in the fourth quarter to get back in that game. So the Jazz got 57 uncontested looks last night. Minnesota got 37. Minnesota made 19. The Jazz made 23. That's the story of the game. Story of the game is Jeff T goes 6 of 11. Carl Anthony Towns goes 6 of 9. Taj Gibson goes 2 of 3. Our guys didn't. It's, it's not much more complicated than that. The offense is scuffling because of spacing. And and we'll, and I'll dig into Rubio a little bit more. I'm trying to avoid isolating him until later in the show. The But there are times where... So, one of the plays that jumped out to me the most is our best pick-and-roll guys are either Rubio or Hood. So Rodney's running a pick-and-roll with Faves. They're not guarding Rubio, so they bring a third guy into the pick-and-roll. Hood, they're, now they switch the pick-and-roll. So now Taj Gibson's guarding Hood. Hood goes one-on-one on Gibson, works him into kind of a mid-ranger, and I think about one of three on these plays. The The problem here in lies that you can't hit the roll guy because they have a second guy coming off, off of Rubio into the lap of favors. You can't. Hood's strength is not beating somebody one-on-one, though he scores on some of them. He kind of gets them into the mid-range and, and scores it. And it just stop, and everything's stymied. I'm going to see... This never always works particularly well. Um, trying to pull it up, and I and I have to do it with no volume. Oh, my gosh, the same thing happened again. I had written down – this is so funny. This happened the other day. I had written down two plays that I wanted to, to look at with you. So I just went to one of them and got for the second straight time, the video is not available. Like, I don't know what's happening that the video is not available on these plays. Like, did they go not come back from commercial break in time? Did they go look at something else during that time period? Like, what is it that makes the video not available <clears throat> on that play? The league is scuffling on some of these things uh, this year. In fact, the league's whole stat system is 
kind of a disaster this year. So when you walk through that play, that that's then when you run the pick and roll with Rubio right now and they're sagging off of that, it gets again, it gets difficult. I I don't know I don't wanna make too big a deal out of it, but it the spacing's off. They're not in Rubio's one of his last twenty two or three, I think, from three right now, and so they're they're not guarding him. And when they're not guarding him, it it makes it awfully hard to run off. And somebody on Minnesota's side basically had this comment that it was like the reverse of a power play. That like Minnesota's playing power play defense against the Jazz. I thought that was a, a pretty interesting way uh, to saying it. Well, I just went to my second play, video not available. So that part of the show is just not going to happen. Uh, the positive thing going on is Donovan Mitchell. And he just continues to get better and better and better. And it's incredible. Uh, and what jumps out to me right now is his rim finishing. So Donovan Mitchell, as most rookies do, started the year and completely could not finish at the rim. He, and he, actually, if you go back to kind of his three by his his three of 21 day, a lot of it stems from he goes and drives the basket early in that game, gets blocked twice. Then he kind of goes into this mid-range jumper, which he does not have. And starts because he can't get all the way to the rim early in that game. And you go back to some of his early season stuff. He is now finishing at the rim, which is the true most important sign of an elite player. When Trey Burke could not finish at the rim early in his career, it, it was a little disconcerting. Okay? There's a, if you can't finish around the rim, it is a huge liability to your future. So Mitchell started his career 2 of 6 against Denver, 0 for 2 against Minnesota, 1 for 2 against Thunder, 3 for 6 against Clippers, 0 for 1 against Phoenix. So he, he opens up hitting on 6 of his first 17 at the rim. Since then, he's 28 of 44. That's awesome. 28 of 44. That's what the best in the league do. Like LeBron's probably at 70%. Okay, he's superhuman. But to be at 64% at the rim is elite, elite category. His above the break three did not start well. These are the two areas where young players don't do well. He was three of 16 to start on above the break threes. And he and he's not bashful, right? We all say with a chuckle. Since then, he's 20 of 57. That's good. 35% above the break threes right on league average. It's good. He does not have a mid-range jumper. He's 5 of 29 in the mid-range. He has missed eight straight. But he his development is terrific. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 46, 46 South State Street. You know, it was, it was interesting. I was driving Alan Horton back yesterday, and I was like, what do you think of this car? He's like, it's really nice. It's, and I said, yeah, that's the Hyundai. He goes, he says to me, I got to tell you, that is a brand I would never consider. And I said, that's exactly how I was when I first met with the Murdochs and 
came into, I was like, I, I think I've told this story before. I was terrified. That we laughed. I, I was like, I was terrified I was going to mispronounce Hyundai. Like, I looked up, like, how do you pronounce Hyundai? Is it Hyundai? Is it Hyundai? Is it, like, how do you pronounce Hyundai? And it's like Sunday. Okay, I'm okay. And, and like, that was my knowledge base. And then they walked me through it and kind of told me about the Murdoch family. And I said to him, I said, I've been blown away. The, the Santa Fe was incredible uh, SUV. And he's like, you know, he, kind of we talked about it for a little bit, how it's funny how, at least for both of us, that's not a brand that Hyundai's not a brand we would have considered. And so here I now have this exposure to it, been fortunate enough to drive a car. It's great. And he was had the kind of same reaction. I'm driving the Ionic right now. I've driven the Santa Fe. I've driven the Tucson. I'm blown away by the quality of vehicle you get, particularly for the price. So what I'm telling you is if you are like Alan Horton and I, and Hyundai is not a brand that would be on your regular setup, take a minute, add it to your list when you're going to shop for a car, and then do it with the with the Murdochs at 4646 South State Street. Blake and the crew are there. They've still got some deals. Some Tucsons are, have not been moved off, so there's 2017 Tucsons that are still on the lot. The 2018 Elantras are in. Uh, check it out. 4646 South State Street. It's Murdoch Hyundai, and you get the 100,000-mile Hyundai Assurance on every purchase. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me... I hate cooking, multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. So where are we? I, we're through this kind of first stretch of the season that we, I think we had stretched it all the way to kind of November 22nd, so it's still, but we thought about, right, okay, we're home, we're home for 10 of our first 14 games, I think it turned out to be, right? Or maybe it's nine. Nine of our first, no, 10. 10 of our first 14 games were home. Our only road games are Minnesota Clippers, Phoenix, and Houston. We've got teams coming in with the Lakers and Dallas and Philadelphia and Brooklyn that we think are winnable ball games. This is an important stretch of kind of getting some momentum, feeling good about ourselves, and then Dante gets hurt and Joe gets hurt and the offense struggles more than we thought and there's no rightful order and now Rudy gets hurt. So we're sitting at 6-8 and eight, and it, we're – we're on the precipice of trying to figure things out. Like we didn't take advantage of that stretch. Basketball reference SRS simple rating system is pretty good. They have us ranked four, six, eight, 
10, 12th, uh, above the three terrible teams. Dallas, Phoenix, and Sacramento are awful. But we're at the bottom of that next group of the Lakers and Minnesota and New Orleans and Denver and the Clippers. So they have us sitting there. On the, they have us. They basically have us. Cleveland's worse than we are. Brooklyn, Atlanta, Chicago, Sacramento, Phoenix, and Dallas. Uh, you think Cleveland would get a little better, but I'm not sure. They're seven and seven, and so that's not where we thought we would be at this point. It doesn't, as you've experienced it, it doesn't make. It's not illogical. It's just not where we expected. I think to be at this point is the way I would say it. Uh, the offense has, has scuffled, and um, we haven't quite picked up, been able to do some of the things we thought we were going to be able to do. It's the makeup of this team. And, you know, just Rodney misses a few, and you know, injuries, everyone has them. We seem to be having them more than anyone else right now. Uh, so so where are we? Like, what's next? Like, looking around, is it that? Is it desperate? Like, so looking over at Impredictable, they have us ranked 22nd. Last week we were ranked 12th, so they really have us falling considerably. Um, our offense is 28th. They have our defense is 2nd. Um, I don't know what the... Um, oh, that's our whether you should take the over or under on us. And we're kind of their projection to us right now is projected seeds... They only have a 6% chance of us making the playoffs. They have an 8% chance of the 9 seed, 16% chance of the 10 seed, 39% chance of the 11 seed, 22% chance of the 12 seed, and then 8%. They have an equal, They actually have a more higher chance of us getting the 13th or 14th seed at 8% than they do of us making the playoffs. It's a little surprising. 538 which uses the the kind of Carmelo and everything else um, system, has us still projected to win 38 games. They still have our chance of making the playoffs at 34%. So that's that's a little bit more optimistic. They have us at 6-8. and eight. In the West, they have the Lakers, the Mavericks, the Suns, and the Kings behind us, but that's it. So it's interesting that we still have a 34% chance. Clipper Grizzlies are at 53. Clippers are at 41%. Pelicans are at 61. Trailblazers are at 61. Nuggets are up to 76. And then Minnesota's at 30 at 86. So they, they that's kind of their dividing line. So they have a similarly placed, but not as with not as much of a kind of bottom dropout. What's interesting, they project us to 38 wins, the Clippers to 39, Pacers at 37, Knicks at 35, Lakers at 33, and then you get into the Nets, Suns, Mavericks, Kings, Bulls, Hawks. For those who are lottery hunting, I I think any chance of getting any lower than 7 or 8 is going to be difficult. So it's not where we intended to be. We've played a fairly easy schedule so far, didn't take advantage of it, and now we head on to a pretty tough stretch on the, with just a lot of road games before hitting just a brutal stretch. Like just a an unbelievably brutal stretch coming. John Schumann tweeted out yesterday that I think we had the second easiest schedule in the league so far. 
Um, and <clears throat> obviously didn't take advantage of it. Let me see if I can find that note uh, from from Schumann. Do not see it. So I will. Uh, I will leave it. He got a bunch of other stuff on the Warriors yesterday and how incredible they are, which they truly are. Uh, today's show, in part, brought to you by the Advocates. You can reach the Advocates at 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550. Why would you call the Advocates? It's kind of weird I just gave you the number, but some of you might have known that. So here's why you'd call the Advocates. Because you've been in a car accident, and now at this point, you've got to make sure, probably foremost than anything else, that nothing terrible happens to you, whether it's uh, job-related or you know, employment or something of that sort. You also want to make sure that someone was wrong and you were wrong that you get good results. And then you'd like to be treated well. I actually would put them in those order, right? Like for me in that circumstance, I, I'm using a personal injury attorney. I want to make sure they get it right. Uh, I don't care how they treat me. I want to get it right. Most people want that otherwise. The advocates led by Matt have built this model over 25 years. It's 106 steps. And what they're able to do, they've basically, they've really approached this as though it's a craft. And what they've been able to do is look at accidents and understand while all accidents are different, the process in the personal injury world is the same. They have the process down into this step system to make it efficient. And then what they do is they go to their what they call their special teams. And their special teams are individuals who are set up to make it so that you're successful, that are giving you... They are they're experts at what they whether it's going to get the insurance data, whether it's to go get the the medical uh, information, whatever it might be. There's a bunch of different steps along the way, and they're going to make sure that they give you the best possible results you can get by having this experts on those each step along the way. The attorneys can interact with you. You'll always have an attorney reach you within 24 hours of calling. And that's what separates the advocates from everyone else. Only 1% of these things go to trial, 3% go to arbitration. So if they, you have someone who knows how to do it well, then what you get is efficiency. Efficiency means productivity, which means communication with you, which means expediting the process, letting you know where you are in the process. They are experts at the task inside the process. 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550, Utah Advocates. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, 
and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, let's talk Ricky Rubio. Alan Horton, good friend and play-by-play announcer of the Timberwolves, sent out an interesting tweet last night. And then he and I talked about it afterwards, so there's a little no. And he basically said in his tweet that it's painful to watch Rubio's shooting, one for his last 23 from deep, but the Jazz deserve equal blame for his, their offensive woes. They have not put him in a position to succeed. So, one thing I think we have to remember with Rubio is that it was the intention when he was signed was for him to be playing with Hayward, with Hood, with Mitchell as a facilitator. Right? That's That was the hope. He was signed as the point guard replacement to George Hill. And I, I don't want to dig in too much on George Hill, but I think it's clear as we're watching him in Sacramento why he's the Jazz did not make a huge effort to re-sign him. As good as he was for us last year, and as good a guy as he is, his body's just not holding up. I mean, last night I think he finally had a really good game. He had 16 points. Prior to that, he was one of his last 12 over three games after sitting out a game. His, his body's just not holding up. The... His previous 10 games, he's shooting 32%. So, okay, enough of that. So the idea when they signed Rubio was that he's playing with Gordon, with Rodney, with Rudy, with Ingles, with a spaced floor, with all sorts of... And probably at that point, you're hoping he's your fourth, fifth option on the floor. Right? That you've got Gordon as your one, you've got Rodney as your two-ish, you have Rudy as your two-ish, you have Ingles as your four-ish, and you have Rubio as the five-ish. And instead what's happened is that all the way back from opening night when Rodney doesn't make the tip, there's no rightful order of the basketball universe. I talk about that phrase a lot. I think it's kind of a silly phrase, but I really think it makes sense. There's no clear status until probably right now of who's taking the shots. Like Donovan is becoming as crazy as this is Donovan's becoming the clear guy who takes the shots on this team, which is a little nutty, but just that he's ascended to that level. And when you look at our shot attempts and you look at, you know, 202 for Mitchell, 159 for Rubio, 161 for hood. Rubio is not, what Allen is basically saying is that Rubio is not a player that's capable of having the second most shot attempts on your team. And that pressure, burden, was was nice for a minute or two when he, when he hit some shots, but seems to be eating him up. And, seems, and, and then when he's playing on a different type team and they're not guarding him as much, then all of a sudden it feels as though he has to shoot, right? Like Thurl Bailey and Ron Boone and I went around the corner, around, around, around on this, on the broadcast last night. 
Like on one level, when you're just not being guarded, you've got to shoot. And he's shooting less recently, but he's taking, he was taking 12, 13 shots a game. His career high before that was 10, which is also the worst shooting percentage he's had in any year of his career. The 14-15 season, he just played 22 games, but he took 10 shots. He shot 36% from the floor and 26% from three. His best shooting years have been when that shot number's down. Now, the second half of last season led us led some to believe that maybe there was something else there. The other question that's been asked, is Rubio struggling because we play more of a half-court system? This is a really hard question to answer for a few reasons. One, Rubio's career is such that there aren't a lot of times to look at him when you say he hasn't struggled. If that makes sense. Right? He only has one season last year where he shot over 40%. So that's his best year. Minnesota's pace last year was 25th in the league. So that doesn't seem to back up the idea that Rubio, one, necessarily plays fast, or that, two, he's better playing fast. In the year prior, they were 20th. In the, fi- the year they only won 16 games with Flip Saunders, they were 11th in the league in pace. But that's the league the year Rubio only plays 22 games. The year prior to that, under Rick Adelman, different coaches every year for the poor guy, they were fourth in the league in pace. So now they're flying. Now, what's interesting, by the way, is fourth in the league in pace is at 97.3. I think that would be about second to last this year. That year, their leading shot taker is Love. Their second leading shot taker is Martin. Their third is Pekovic. Their fourth is Brewer. Their fifth is J.J. Barea. And their sixth is Ricky Rubio. He has a pretty good, for his career, he has an okay year. He shoots 38%, 33%. He has nine assists a game, two steals. His defense has always been what it is. They're pretty good offensive team, ninth in the league, 12th defensive. That was a good basketball team. But he, he wasn't the second offensive option. I mean, right now, Donovan's become the primary offensive option. Rubio is the second option. And it's just, Allen's point is, that's too much for him. It wasn't what was ever intended. It wasn't what they signed him for. It was. It is more that... That's the position he's been put in, and it's not a position where he seems to be having success. In fact, the opposite is we're seeing him have basketball games that are considerably different than anything we ever anticipated him having. I mean, two of his last few games, maybe even three of his last five, are just out there. And the poor guy now, because he cares so much is just in a horrific slump. 25% from the field and 4% from three over the last six games. And it's just chewing at him. You can tell. I mean, Miami 0 for 5, 5 turnovers, 3 steals. Last night, 1 for 7, 3 turnovers, 2 assists. It, it's too bad. And last night was graphic. It was against his former team. And they just... I mean, Tibbs was yelling on every play, don't guard. I mean, it was just, it was bad. So, hard for him. So I think we have to understand that this was not the intention of 
what was going to what how he was going to be used were asking him to in you know, to be to play in a manner that's dramatically different than what he's ever done before and it's pushing him maybe beyond his limits a little bit and hopefully that'll settle that is today's edition of Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NBA. Available for you, biggest stories, touches on the Gobert injury, as well as what's going on with the Pelicans and what's going on with the Wolves. It's all on Locked On NBA. This has been part of the Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.